welcome to the 44th episode of In The Between. And my name is Danny. And I'm Nadia. And, and today, we'll be paying tribute to National Day in Singapore and we'll be talking about national costume. Yeah, that's right. So, um, 9th August is Singapore's birthday. And we will be... How old are we this year? <laughs> 55. Never ask a lady her, her age. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> blushing. Yeah, but... <laughs> well, she looks not a day over 50. I don't know. Yeah. So she's uh, she's going to be 55. Um, well, we're going to be 55. And it's... Yeah, you know, when we, whenever National Day comes around, I think there is renewed conversation about national costume. Sometimes we talk about it as National Day costume because, you know, and I think it's not like a slip of the tongue um, because it really seems like we only wear a national costume for National Day. So it almost seems like it is a National Day costume, right? Yeah. Uh, well, my question is, is there even a national costume? Yeah, and I think this has been something that's been talked about, debated, you know, people have tried to design it, no one is ever happy about it. And I, I guess it's uh, all down to the fact that we're a multi-cultural um, society. Um, so, you know, we have the Chinese, the Malays, the Indians, and, um, you know, that quote-unquote others, that's our model, right, in Singapore, CMIO model. Uh, so, you know, we have then the Chinese costume, the um, Malay costumes, the Indian um, ethnic costumes. Although nowadays, if we want to be really um, clear about it, we shouldn't call it costume even because it's just dress. Yeah, uh, because costume, you know, connotes that it's something fun, something that is like, you know, put on and it has some element of exoticization in it. So we try to talk about it as dress. So um, mm -hmm. basically, I think from the onset, we were really trying hard to create a national costume. And I was just, you know, I was just telling Danny before this episode that um, for my research, I actually looked at this period in the 1980s when, you know, for Singapore's 15th birthday, uh, there was a Ministry of Culture, it's no longer called Ministry of Culture, but back then, Ministry of Culture invited five fashion designers in Singapore. Uh, they were Tan Yong, Thomas Wee, Francis Cheong, Alan Chai, and um, Guilin Neo to design a national costume for Singapore women. And this was part of a wider campaign to establish a national identity. And, you know, it was really well covered everywhere, like in the press. So it was covered in like Straits Times, which is the Singapore um, National Daily Newspaper. Um, but it was really hard for the designers. So like, you know, they were interviewed and asked like, oh, what are you going to do? Um, what are you going to put inside um, the costume? Uh, and they were like, okay, you know what? It will be... Um, moving away from the basic designs of the Chongsam, the Sarong Kabaya and the Sari. So the Chongsam belongs to the Chinese, um, the Sarong Kabaya to the Malays and the Sari to the Indians. And it's interesting to me that when they were interviewed and asked, they said, no, 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 we're not going to touch these. You know, because it <laughs> felt to me like it was a denial of the truth, the facts, you know, that, um, and I don't know what came of it because um, it just kind of dissipated <laughs> this this it wasn't successful, obviously, we're not wearing it. <laughs> no. And, you know, if you think about it in a more um, academic way, uh, I'm just going to look at, well, you know, Joanne Eicher, Sandra Evanson, and Hazel Lutz have observed that because many modern nations are made up of a variety of ethnic groups, singling out one specific form of national dress can be difficult. 
and I, I think it's not yeah. even a can be difficult. It is difficult, you know. Yeah. And especially since with Singapore, um, you know, we are an immigrant population. We are multi-ethnic. So it's really hard to select one over the other, especially since we are trying to say that we are all equal, even if the population numbers are not the same. But we have this CMIO model that, you know, dictates really that it must all be the same. Yeah, so the, there is a lot of complexity in talking about national day dress and other words that are used for national dress or other um, things that inspire national day, uh, national dress is um, the idea of ethnic dress, folk dress, regional dress, traditional dress. And all these words have connotations of something that doesn't change. And that's why it's often at odds with the modernity that we think of fashion of fashion tends to always be changing and that's why something that is traditional is seen as static Um, however national dress ethnic dress folk dress have all been often used as inspiration by fashion designers so Mm -hmm. Dries van Noten even used the sarong kebaya as inspiration and has used batik and all these traditional techniques Um, and suddenly when it's kind of processed by a designer they become fashionable dress um, and we know of course of the work of Paul Poiret who in the turn of the 20th century kind of used a lot of Middle Eastern and um, what is what was termed exotic or oriental dress um, as inspiration and this allowed him to create garments that didn't need corsetry that were trousers and women didn't wear trousers at that time so he gave a lot of freedom to women uh, by adopting this kind of oriental garments and again as some sort of costume that they can put on and just remove these identities. And so there's been a lot of criticism of the myth of unchanging dress and some people see it also as a violence of inflicting this identity on people, a homogeneous identity which, as you said, omits smaller groups like indigenous and migrant communities. So over here also, me, I'm like, half Bolivian, half Singaporean Chinese. So by saying that I have to wear a national dress to be Singaporean or have to look a certain way omits my experience. Yeah. And you know, similarly, I think if you were to um, privilege one type of dress over others, no matter who it is, right? I mean, if it's from a minority group, yes. then it'll be, the question will be like, but why would a minority group kind of represent, um, you know, the, the nation? So then there's a lot of like politicking and sensitivities yes. around it. And um, Jennifer Craig, another dress historian, has noted that the politics of adopting indigenous dress as national dress can be controversial. So this is about just adopting it. There's no like additional work. There's no like new kind of, you know, like um, collaging of um, inspiration. So uh, she continues to say the problem remains of how to define distinctively national dress in new cultures, which is precisely what we have in Singapore. You know, how do you then um, assimilate all these different immigrant cultures to create something new? Yeah. And so if we go back to the 1980s, um, you know, that, that 15th birthday kind of wish to have a national dress, <laughs> um, there was, you know, some talk about what it could look like beyond the fact that it wouldn't look like the sari, the chongsam, the uh, sarong kabaya. So then some, mm-hmm. some people said like, oh, maybe it could be like the baju kuro, which is, um, belongs to the Malay community, and that we could even have our own a national print. 
an original emblem on a synthetic fiber. So when I, I read this, I thought oh, it was wow. very interesting because <laughs> I'm like, okay, what, what is the national print? What is this original emblem? And what I liked was that it said it's on a synthetic fiber because I was just like, gosh, yeah. is that a dick? Or is that like super clever? Because of course it's synthetic. Of course it's artificial, right? And it would make total sense that it would be artificial. To be Singapore, yeah. Yeah, but then practical, practically speaking, then synthetic fiber would be really hot and not suitable for um, <laughs> Singapore's weather as well. Yeah. So I but don't know. A, hmm. a lot of um, things that become national emblems in Singapore are manufactured. For example, the the icon of the Merlion. Yeah. It's, it was made by the Singapore Tourism Board to kind of create something distinguishable and encourage tourism in Singapore. Yeah, or like, you know, the orchid, right? The Miss um, Vanda uh, joking. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Okay, I might have pronounced it wrongly. But like, it's this purple, um, white orchid that's really quite elegant. Yeah, but then every time I see it on something, I just feel like, oh, it's so done. And I'm like, I'm over it. And then Malay is just too Actually, cute. I, I would argue that the national flower is the bougainvillea. I see the bougainvillea <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> that's true yeah it's like on all the overhead bridges and along the sides of the road yeah so maybe we should okay danny you and i create a national yeah we should national we should dress create with, the, like, the bogey new then we should uh, art direct the new singapore <laughs> yeah exactly identity and you well know, national dress is not often used though um in general but it is kind of the the times when it's used in national events like the olympics beauty pageants um, and before it was more of like a way for ethnographers to, and anthropologists to gather information of like costumes of the world that yeah. it was set against backdrops but we've kind of moved away from that and most people are wearing the same clothes all over the all over the world now. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes I'm also wondering, like, you know, maybe the thing to do is to just forget about it <laughs> and like not bother <laughs> with a national dress um, and it wouldn't make us less than, you know. Uh, but, you know, like if, if we were to just you know, again, go back to this 1980 thing, because I want to talk about um, something you brought up before our conversation um, that, you know, the Singapore girl um, in oh, yes. of, like the SIA of the Singapore um, Airlines costume, right, has been yeah. emblematic of Singapore. So actually in this very same interview, um, Francis Chong, one of the designers who was invited, actually said, well, you know, I'm going to be inspired by the essence of a Singapore girl. Quiet, <laughs> mental, and unassuming. This was in a... In oh my gosh. Life. Yeah, about what he would use as inspiration. And I was like, how dare he? Who is gentle? Quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. um, the, the Singapore girl, cost, uh, sorry, the uniform for SIA, the, our national airlines, was first designed in 1972 by Pierre Cardin. And okay. it's, sorry, Pierre Balmain. Mm. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm like all 60s. Yeah. Pierre Balmain. And um, it's very technical and it uses the batik print on it, which is kind of more of an Indonesian, um, Malaysian craft. Yeah. But it has become, like it has been unchanged since 19, when it was first designed in 1972. And it's, it's still used until now. And like all over the world, people first see this, this sarong kebaya as like maybe the costume of Singapore. 
Yeah, and you know, it's interesting that you brought up um, Pierre Balmain because I think, um, okay, so in 1972, what happened was the managing director of Singapore Airlines called Lim Chin Bing invited him to design new uniforms for the airline's flight attendants. And you know what Balmain did, because I mean, he, he wouldn't know anything about Singapore, right? So yeah. what he did was he actually roamed Singapore for inspiration. And you know what he concluded? He concluded that Singapore had no culture. <laughs> Oh my gosh, what he said in, in a newspaper interview. And in response, Lim told Velma that Singapore had a mix of cultures and that he should create something like the Sarong Kabaya. So actually, oh. the idea for the Sarong Kabaya came not so much from Pierre Balma, but from the managing director of mm. Hai, um, Lim Chimbing. And yeah, it's really fascinating to me because, you know, if you think about, if you try to understand it through... Um, give me a Right. Yeah, you know, and the thing is like the sarong kabaya has been something that's, you know, just really associated with, I think, that like gentle, quiet, unassuming Singapore girl. And of course, we, we come from the Malay archipelago. So, you know, there's also the idea that that really accentuates um, the female figure as well. So for instance, you know, in post-independence 1967, so this was like two years after we became independent, there was a charity show in London that showcased representative outfits from 22 Commonwealth countries. And it was the Sarong Kabaya, or what Straits Times then called Singapore's national costumes, uh, that two Singaporean models wore to walk the runway. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting that, you know, this was actually the visual marker of our nationality um, on yes. um, the global stage. Because I mean, you know, this London show was like abroad and then with like the airlines, this is something that, you know, everyone gets to see all around the world because the, uh, the flight attendants are like wearing this, you know, and representing the national yeah. carrier. And I think another thing that Pierre Valmont did was that because of his technical know-how, he really did a very technical garment that fit perfectly. So all the uniforms are actually custom made to each attendant. There, there is no like standard sizing. And he, what he did is he made it even more fitted because the sarong kabaya wouldn't normally always be this fitted on the figure. Mm, that's right. And I think that's why it's been so everlasting. I mean, you know, over the years, like national carriers have like asked new fashion designers to create new versions of the uniform. But I'm just thinking like if ever SQ were to change their costume, people will be up in arms because it's become <laughs> so representative. Um, yeah, so that's a very interesting point you brought up because then, you know, is, is the formula for success then to make it like pretty sexy or like to make sure that you look good in it because I think what I don't like about all these national dress talk is sometimes we see it um, on national at national day parades like the ministers they wear you know like some sort of like white thing with orchids or I don't know what and I'm just like oh it's so ugly I cannot take it like you know why would anyone want to reproduce that why would anyone want to wear it except if obliged and then nowadays I mean you know we don't really oblige people to wear anything anymore so yeah yeah, I think another interesting thing about Singapore is that well, we just recently celebrated, well, not celebrated, but kind of marked two hundred years of the end of colon of um, our bicentennial, right? So two hundred years since we were colonized, mm. and what we forget also is that Singapore always existed even before then. It just was named something different. It was part of a different kind of geography. And the native people who lived here were dressed, but they looked different. And obviously, because of the whole 
modernization and colonization process, then dress became different, fashion entered our language. And so all these conversations about national dress are very new and are things that we are trying to use to create an identity of a very, very young nation, like a nation that has only turned like 55 yeah. years old. So I'm not sure, you know, it feels, I mean, I think there are a couple of threads that have come out in our conversation, you know, whether the national dress should be something that looks back or looks forward. Um, you know, there's mm-hmm. also the idea that it has to be classic and unchanging, but then like, should it be evolving, you know, and looking to the, you know, to what can be. So I feel like it's ne- a never ending conversation. And, you know, the problem really comes when we try to essentialize it, you know, to just yeah. try to like pin it down and be like, it has to be this, and it has to be that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's forget about it. <laughs> Whatever. <I guess. laughs> We're just gonna figure out what Singapore's culture is like before we can really um, yeah. begin these conversations. And you know, it's it's not gonna fly now, like you know, if we get like a external I mean, even now if you you would think to yourself like, oh let's get Pierre Boma to design something. Um, I don't think it would it would even be okay because people were like, but why wouldn't you get a Singapore designer? You know, because wouldn't yeah. a Singapore designer speak for for the nation? And then there is the extra um, idea then that why would a single fashion designer design it? Because wouldn't it be a group? You know, with like different oh. voices. So oh my gosh, that sounds like a big mess. <laughs> yeah, it is a big mess. But well, I mean, even if you just look at things like the national. They song right so every year they come up with a new song and like a amazing video to come with it and this year is um it what's the name of Nathan Hartono well I know it's Nathan Hartono but actually I forgot the name of the song yeah um and even just with him there was like there was like comments on everything I am on the internet yeah everything I am so uh, there were comments on the internet like why do you get this well, his, in, his surname sounds Indonesian. So like, why do you get this Indonesian to do our song? And everyone's like, this, he is Singaporean. And then yeah, exactly. you have this whole thing of like, what is Singaporean, right? Because we, as you said earlier, we're a nation of migrants. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, every, every year there's something wrong with the video as well to me because <laughs> the way that we represent, you know, like the different ethnicities and like the family makeup because it's usually quite family oriented. So I think there is the idea that you try to spread out the love and you have like every ethnic group represented. But then of course, every ethnic group is represented by a different kind of family makeup, if that makes sense. Um, and there's always something a bit problematic. Or maybe we're just like, you know what, maybe everything that's national just invites like debates and um i think so it's because it tries too much to standardize a very individual experience right yeah and i mean the title itself let's forget about it yeah but the title (laughs) itself is so like everything i am like oh okay (laughs) i don't know it needs to be like um another home home is like the most popular national day song ever written by dick lee and performed by kit chan yeah yeah that's a classic that's a classic (laughs) Yeah, so I think, you know, we have safely um, sidestepped the problem of the national dress and be like, whatever, it's not going to happen. It sounds very cavalier of us to say it, but I think it's also because we kind of understand that it's going to be really tough. And I feel no matter what comes of it, we will be annoyed (laughs) with it. 
will feel like it's less than, it's not enough, it's, um, it excludes somebody, it's ugly. Actually, yeah. it always comes down to that, that it's ugly. I mean, um, earlier on, I sent you this thing of like the Miss Universe Singapore Miss costume. Universe. Yeah, so just talking that about like... That was for 2018. Yeah, it is... It is beyond ugly. I mean, how do you even say it kindly? It is I mean, I'm scary. Not, it is I'm very not, scary. I know we're supposed to be like objective, but I'm I'm sorry. It, it just can't. It's so bad. Um, yeah. I mean, if if you're gonna look at it, it's from uh, 2018, and it features a skirt digitally printed with a handshake. One arm features the North Korean flag. Okay, that's again like I don't know why, and the other the American flag over the Singapore skylines. Why? <laughs> it's like, why? Why? It doesn't even have a flag on it. It's, um, everything is manufactured. Like, the Marina Bay Sands and the Gardens by the Bay, they're like man-made objects. And she's yes. wearing wings. Why? <laughs> yeah. I just don't understand. Okay. okay I don't I'm... understand what was the mood board for this. Yeah, but like the year's theme apparently was the Trump Kim Summit. So that's why I guess. But who gave that theme? Um, the Miss Universe passion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's so bad. And you know, it's very funny I'm because sorry, then after that, but... after that, people printed other things on the costume. Did you see? Oh, so the memes. Yeah, in the memes. So like, oh my put... gosh, yeah, some of them are much better, like a <sighs> durian or the old chunky curry puff. <laughs> Actually, I quite like that. It's so funny. Yeah, I love that. I think that. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's just. Oh bad. yes, you see, even designers of the Miss Universe pageant have a hard time pinning down Singapore dress. Yes. Oh my gosh, it's so bad. It's so funny. Some of it just became really awful. Like um. Yeah, I don't even want to say now because I mean it will take it will take too long. <laughs> we can put up the the picture on Instagram. So follow us on Instagram so you can see the images. Uh, yes, but it's gonna be just problematic. So yeah, as it should be, I guess it, it's not something that's easily done. And I think maybe the fact that we're sensitive to how everyone is supposed to be equal um, in Singapore actually you know creates these problems for um, making a national dress. But I'm sure people will still keep trying. Mm. Yes. Okay, <laughs> so on that note, well, we wish happy National Day! A very happy <laughs> birthday, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.